Hello there, friend. Welcome to How to Live the Podcast, where we are figuring out this thingy called life. We are your hosts, Jess and Steph Dadon. Hi, hi, hi. Very happy to be here with you on this beautiful Tuesday morning. I hope it's beautiful. Ah, social media. Am I right? Oh my goodness, you guys. So we've had our new COO start at Tubes, which we chatted about last week on the podcast, and she does not have social media. So it's been really interesting for us to be around her and for her to start being involved in conversations with us that are going on on social media and her just standing back and pointing out the flaws that exist in the world of social media, obviously, of which there are many. Yeah, it's so interesting to get somebody's perspective because I think everyone who is on social media, even someone like me who doesn't even use Instagram all that much, I'm still just across what's going on. And I think we don't realize how much our opinions and views are shaped by what's going on there and how much we're just kind of sucked into this vortex and this world so unconsciously. Mm, Yeah. And I think what's going on with Israel and Palestine right now is really interesting for us because we obviously being Jewish and having visited Israel many, many times have a deep nuanced understanding of the level of complicatedness that exists between those two places. And What it's really made us realize is that there is no room for nuance on Instagram. It is black and white and there is no room to see both sides, to talk about both sides, to be aware of the many, many layers that exist in a problem and rather you just need to form an opinion right now and then call it. And I want to say here, we have nothing but compassion and sorrow and so much room in our hearts for everybody who is suffering, everybody who has lost their lives, who has lost loved ones. And this isn't about that. It isn't about picking sides and pointing fingers and calling names or any of that. And I think that's the problem is that to express an opinion that you have compassion for anyone who is suffering is now on social media called out as not allowed. You're not allowed to have compassion. You must pick a side and you must stand on the side that has been deemed as right. And it's been really, really difficult to stand by and watch what's gone on on social media and to see people who we know know nothing about the situation or very, very little give their opinions so strongly and make it as if it is black and white and that other people do need to have the same opinion as them. And it's something we haven't posted about yet on social media because it's scary because we're scared of getting called out. And it was something that before we sat down right now to talk about this, we were like, should we bring it up? But you know us, if we have an opinion, we want to talk about it 
if we're scared of getting backlash, that's not a reason that we say not to share something. And we thought it was really, really important that we say this. Mm. And we're not saying that we don't recognize wrongdoings on both sides. We most certainly, certainly do. But I think that's the problem is that there are wrongdoings on both sides, but only one side is being talked about. And it's been really scary and sad to watch what's playing out on social media because it's just acting like it's a whole new situation when in reality this conflict has been going on for so many years and there's just so much nuance and I think we just wanted to name that here because if you are feeling that way if you are looking at social media thinking why do we all have to have the same opinions on every single thing? You are not alone. Yeah, and also just to speak as Jewish people, I can tell you that it's been really scary and we've felt a lot of rising anti-Semitism in the world. And I feel like we can't be apologetic for feeling that way because that is how we feel and that's how a lot of Jewish people that we know feel. So I just wanted to name that. And I think on a broader perspective for me, it's just really opened up my eyes to, you know how people often say that in the West, we try to fix other people's problems without really knowing anything about them. It's really opened up for me that there are so many things that happen in the world that we feel the need to post about, that others feel the need to post about and give strong opinions on. And it's really been an amazing reminder that, there is so much nuance and that things aren't so black and white and that it can actually be really harmful to jump in with a really strong opinion about something that you know nothing about. Yeah, so I think you can tell by the tone of our voices that this stuff is weighing heavy on us. We're just trying to navigate it and honestly trying to stay off social media. That's my new mantra is I need to stay off social media because... Right now when I go on there, I feel sad and I feel angry and that's not how I want to feel. So just trying to know what I know and be comfortable in that and not feel the need to read every single thing under the sun and feel like my opinion needs to be changed because everyone's trying to tell me it does. Yeah. And I think for people who do feel a little bit one-sided in their opinion either way, because I know that people listening to this podcast will be on either side of this situation, something like a loving kindness meditation, I think goes a really long way just to open up our hearts again and to feel compassion for anyone who is suffering in the world and to really remind us of the humanity that connects all of us and that there is no right and wrong when it comes to suffering. No one should have to suffer. Well, great that you went into loving kindness because meditation is actually what we are talking about today on this podcast, more specifically our experience with meditation and every wonderful, magical thing that it has given us. So without further ado, let's get into today's episode. Okay, so we both started a consistent meditation practice at the beginning of 2020. 
a very necessary year to start a consistent meditation practice, but actually we did not know that we were about to go into the year that we were. It was in February at the beginning and we did a five-day course with Laura Poole, our Vedic meditation teacher, who we have had on this podcast. Definitely encourage you to go and listen to her. So essentially what we learned with Laura is a twice a day meditation. So the idea is that you meditate in the morning for 20 minutes and in the afternoon for 20 minutes and definitely going from a place of zero. Like at the time when I did this course, I was not meditating at all. So the idea from going from zero to 40 minutes a day just blew my mind. And I was like, how the hell am I going to find the time to do that in the day? But it was so unbelievably worth it. Oh, it's been so, so worth it. And it's funny because when we recorded that episode with Laura, that was probably about 10 months ago now, I remember being like, we hate our mantras and we don't like meditation and it's so hard. And I think when I talk to people about meditation, the number one thing that people always say is, oh, that's awesome, but I could never do that. I could never sit still. And I'm just not someone who can sit still. And guess what? None of us can sit still. That's why we need to meditate because in this society that we live in, we are so go, go, go that the idea of stopping and being slow for a second, our bodies can't handle it. And it's why we need meditation, but it's also what prevents us from meditation. So it's this loop that you're on and it's really hard to get off it. But if you do, magic will happen my friend Mm, and I remember sitting in that intro talk with Laura the one that we went to maybe a week before we started our course because at the end of it we were like yes we want to sign up next week and (laughs) I remember her talking about the idea that most people don't think that they're sick, right? Like we go around in this world believing that we are healthy. But at that same time, we admit that we feel exhausted. We admit that we feel stress. We probably have an area of our body, like right now it's my shoulders or somewhere that feels pretty tense all the time. For me, it's my heads and shoulders and knees and toes. (laughs) maybe we can't digest our food properly. Maybe we struggle to sleep at night. All these things that kind of absolutely suck, but we just accept them as part of our reality because eh, that's just what being a human is. And the secret that they don't tell you is it isn't part of being human. I mean, yes, there are a lot of these things like aches and pains that we just generally do have. But I think when we were at that info session with Laura, I remember that the number one thing that people wanted, like, yes, she would talk about like the deeper spirituality side of it. And that would appeal to a very small group of people. But when she talked about stress and getting rid of stress, everyone was like, oh, hell yeah, I'm stressed. I'm stressed. Like who isn't stressed? Mm. I can tell you who isn't stressed. We're not stressed because we meditate. And I never, can I tell you, I never, ever, ever thought I wouldn't be stressed, anxious, overwhelmed, like all of these things that I constantly was every single time we would have an event on or we would have a photo shoot on or even a big meeting, I would just get sick. Like the day before, Jessica's nodding her head because she can concur. I can vouch. I would just fall sick. And I think it was just this buildup of stress. And I would go to these meetings like a shell of a human. And I didn't realize that there was another way. I was so anxious. I had panic attacks. I was just anxious all the time. I was also 
so in my head, like I remember panicking during even podcast interviews. I was thinking the other day, I was editing the podcast as I do. I'm our podcast editor now. (laughs) And I was listening to myself talk and I was like, huh, I can kind of talk pretty well. Like I have some good good ideas and opinions. Like I'm liking this. And I thought, oh, that's so funny because if I would say that to somebody now, they'd be like, oh, no, you were always like that. But I think the difference was the internal that for the first year or so of our podcast, I was so in my head. I was so anxious. I was like, what am I going to ask next? So even though maybe it's appeared the same from the outside, from the inside, it was a totally different feeling. Mm, Totally. And I remember also feeling like at the beginning of the day, I would wake up overwhelmed. Like before I had even started my day, I just woke up with this underlying feeling of being overworked, underpaid and not happy, (laughs) even though none of those things were probably happening. But that is how I felt. I was just so exhausted at the idea of my life. It wasn't even my life. It was the idea of my life. And then I remember them saying the practice is so transformational once you get a regular practice like things will shift for you and of course so human in my mind I'm like oh well it's good for them but it's not for me and I didn't really believe that things would shift for me and I think that in the beginning I was like see things aren't shifting things aren't shifting and it's because it happens over a period of time and so slow almost that you don't even know that it's happening or so fast that you don't know it's happening I'm not sure yeah like it's only been a year for us it hasn't been even been that long yeah like it happens over a period of time and then one day you'll wake up and you'll remember that time that your life used to make you exhausted or the idea of your life and you'll think oh that doesn't so much happen anymore or that feeling doesn't feel as intense anymore. And then the more you go down the rabbit hole, the less intense those feelings become. Mm, And I remember a big thing was, I don't even think they tell you in advance that it's 20 minutes twice a day with Vedic meditation, which by the way is the same thing as TM meditation. If you've heard of that before, transcendental meditation. But I think I remember being in the course and Laura saying, yeah, you do this 20 minutes twice a day and I was like say what now like I don't have any time for that and she was like I work with high-powered CEOs and if they have the time for it you have the time for it and I think that is so common that people are like oh how do I have time for that for any kind of meditation but the thing is it creates so much more space in your life it makes you so much more productive and so much less bogged down by stress and emotional issues that actually you're saving time by meditating. Mm, Yes, so true. And it's actually been a really interesting process for me because I feel like you are much better at your meditation practice than I am, meaning that you are more dedicated to it than I am. Like I've had periods of time over the last 12 plus months since we started meditating where I'll go a month without meditating or I'll go two weeks without meditating and then I'll notice actually how much shit has changed and how much I just switch straight back to the before when I do start meditating. So it's pretty incredible. Like for the last probably month and a half, I would say my practice hasn't been that consistent, maybe four mornings a week and then a couple of afternoons, but definitely not twice a day, every day. 
And I am just noticing myself be so much more reactive, be so much more exhausted, so much more easily overwhelmed and anxious. Like I can go from zero to a hundred really quickly. And there are all these things that I felt like I really overcame through my regular practice. And then I'm like, oh, wait a second. They're all still here. The one thing that had changed was that I was doing a meditation twice a day. And now I can really see that it is so freaking transformative. Mm, It's so funny that you say that I'm more dedicated to it because I feel like it's my competitive, work hard, overachieve stuff that I've really, really worked on to overcome. But still, I feel like there's a small element that remains that is positively pushing me to keep meditating. Mm. And Renan learned to Vedic meditate when we got to Byron last year in August. And I had dropped my meditation a lot at that point. And then when he came home and he was meditating twice a day, I was like, I need to be meditating twice a day. And having that person around that's also done it and also does it every day really, really keeps me motivated. Like when me, you and our mom can all meditate together because we've all learned the same thing. That's super, super motivating for me. I feel like having people around me that have done it is just incredible. And Mm. then also, so when we were in lockdown last year and obviously everybody was having a bit of an existential crisis, I discovered Tara Brach, who's one of my favorite meditation teachers who teaches in the style of Vipassana or insight meditation, which is a Buddhist lineage, uh, which is a little bit different to Vedic meditation. And it's more what you would hear about, I think it's more, more the common thing you hear about like mindfulness and paying attention to your breath and body scans, loving kindness meditations. And so having that, I think it was a few weeks into learning this kind of meditation and watching Tara's talks and just that really shifted things for me. And that style of meditation was adding another layer of goodness to my life. And within a few weeks, I signed up for this two year long course to learn to be a teacher in that style. So that's what I'm doing at the moment. So I think because now I do one per day Vedic and one per day Vipassana, which is such a big no-no to mix them, but I'm doing Sorry, it. Laura. Sorry, Laura. And sorry, Tara. Just, uh, But you know, you got to do what works for you. And it's working really nicely for me. And what I've found the two give me is I think Vedic really untangles you from the inside out. So Vedic is like taking a nap. It's really chill. I think it's the, probably the easiest style of meditation for people to take on because I feel like what people say is, oh, I can't stop my thoughts. And Vedic meditation is like, great. So if you sit there and think for 20 minutes, that's obviously what you needed from your meditation. And if you fall asleep, then that's what you needed from your meditation. So Vedic's very chill like that. It's kind of like having a little nap. Yeah, their tagline is like, there's no such thing as a bad meditation, which I really appreciate because especially for my morning meditation, I wake up and I just basically close my eyes and it feels like I think for 20 minutes. And I feel like prior to doing this course, I did dabble in meditation and I would just think a lot and think to myself, well, what's even the point? I may as well just open my eyes and go about my day. But in actual fact, what they teach you in Vedic is that like the measure for your eyes closed practice is actually how you operate in the world with your eyes open. So it doesn't matter if you have the most active meditation in the world where you feel like you just thought for 20 minutes. In actual fact, you should be looking at how stressed you feel, how tired you are, all of these good things that we're talking about as your barometer of how good your meditation practice is. 
Mm -hmm. Great description of it. So I feel like Vader really does that for me and it really is untangling me and just giving me much more space. And then on the other side, Vipassana meditation, watching your breath, kind of watching your thoughts, I feel like it's giving me tools to go about my life so that if I do feel stress in my eyes open state, so Vedic's helping me feel less stress, but if I do feel more stress, if I do feel some reactivity or some anger or whatever, Vipassana is really helpful in helping you to deal with your emotions, with pain, with feelings that come up. So I found this really nice, beautiful balance. Interestingly, in my meditation teacher program though, a lot of the people are finding it hard to maintain a regular practice. And I'm just interested in exploring at the moment for me, if I am going to be a teacher, what is the style that people are most likely to actually stick to? And we've had a lot of friends and family go and do Vedic and it's definitely pretty incredible what the community and the practice can bring to your life. Mm, Yeah. And it's all about creating a consistent routine, right? I used to be the type of person that would meditate maybe once or twice a week. And I really didn't understand what all the fuss was about. I sat there with my eyes closed thinking the whole time and thinking how much I was hating meditating. And then I would open my eyes and see absolutely zero transformation. For me, it really has been about creating a consistent practice, like I'm talking daily. It doesn't have to be 20 minutes twice daily, but something that you're doing every single day that becomes a part of your lifestyle that really starts to transform the way that you live. Because I think it's then when you notice those types of transformations that you actually want to stick with your practice. And even though I do let my practice go all the time (laughs) and I'll intend on practicing in the morning and then I'll wake up and I'll hear Elliot downstairs making coffee and I'm like oh that sounds like fun (laughs) I will always always come back to it I've never not come back to it obviously because I'm still here and telling you that I Vedic meditate when I learned over 12 months ago I've had weeks maybe a month max nah I don't even think I've gone a month without meditating but I always come back to a daily practice eventually when I realize what a psycho I'm turning into (laughs) And I think before that, the apps as well were really helpful for me to introduce me to meditation and just get a feel for what it's about. I particularly love One Giant Mind because they have a 10-day introduction to meditation where you do meditate every day. And I think it is really important, again, that daily practice, whereas Headspace or Calm. Headspace or Calm have all these pre-existing meditations for you to listen to, which are all amazing, but they're not really encouraging you to do it daily. Yeah. So, I mean, they do somewhat encourage you to do them daily. Like when I used to do Calm, it would tell you when you had a streak. So it was you've meditated this many days in a row. But I think... The difference, so the type of meditations that we're talking about is unguided. So we'll sit down and we, with Vedic, you have a mantra or you're paying attention to the breath with Vipassana and you're just guiding yourself versus these apps where you're being guided through a 10 or 15 or 20 minute meditation. So just so you know, One Giant Mind that Jess mentioned is a Vedic app. Laura Poole was one of the co-founders, as was Johnny Pollard. And that's an app where it's teaching you how to do this kind of Vedic style where you can guide yourself rather than them having to guide you. And when I talk to people about meditation, I think 
a lot of people have done the apps and they don't love it or they like it sometimes, but it hasn't really built them a regular practice. And I think the thing is you can't really build a regular practice with those apps. I did it for about six months. I think I did calm almost every day, but it's not a practice so much as it is just a, it's like a massage. It's like going to have a massage where it's really nice and someone's kind of guiding you through it for a moment and it makes your body feel better versus doing yoga or Pilates where you're really strengthening your body and and you're shifting it from the inside out. And also you're taking ownership of your own healing process. I think for me, that was a really cool experience that it's just you. You don't need anything. You don't even need a yoga mat. It can just be you with your eyes closed. And that is a really empowering place to be. Mm, it is. And the thing about once you've learned how to meditate on your own, you can do it anywhere. You can roll up in bed and just do it sitting there. You can do it on the train. You could. I can do it in the middle of a very busy park. You can do it anywhere. And I think that's the difference Because for people who have tried apps, you need a specific scenario and you need your phone and you need your headphones and you need to be able to do it that way. Whereas this is, you can slip into it at any moment at any time. And I think for me, the biggest benefits have been less stress, more space, less reactivity, definitely way better physical health, better emotional health. Uh, the list is never ending. And I've spoken to a couple of people who say, oh, well, yeah, I've tried meditation when I'm in a really stressed place and when I need it, but right now I'm really good. So I don't feel like I need it. And the thing is, if you're doing it in, when you're in a stressed place, great, then hopefully it's going to reduce your stress. But if you can do it in a place when you are in what you're labeling as a good place, the benefits are going to be massive because that's when that ache in your shoulder that's been there forever is going to start to resolve itself. It's when you're really going to start loving yourself rather than just being okay with what's going on in your life. It's when the magic really happens is when you persist in the good times. Yeah, and I think that all of these things sound like If I'm thinking back to a time before I had experienced them, oh, that's just not the type of person who I am. You know, like I'm just not a glass half full kind of gal. But I think that through doing this meditation, I've really seen that anyone can be that way. And it's about taking charge of your own disposition. Like let's not just sit back and allow life happen to us. Rather, let's get up and go and actually take charge and be the person who we want to be. I think also just thinking about the one thing, if I could distill it down to one thing that has been so incredible for me is like this ability to experience life with chaos happening around me and for me to just remain the same at all times. Like people are angry around me and people are sad around me and people are happy around me and people are crazy around me. And through all of that, I am just okay and I am just here at the center of it all experiencing and being in it, but ultimately just being okay. And that to me, from being in such a chaotic place, has just felt so liberating to create a life that I actually want to live in as opposed to a life that's just happening to me. You're right. And I think that so many of us believe that change isn't actually possible. And I think a lot of 
the styles of therapy in Western society kind of push that belief that we can shift little things, but we can't really change. And I was definitely somebody that thought this is the way I am. And I feel like I was a little bit like our dog, Bo. I was a little bit touchy. I was a little bit jealous. I was a little bit angry. I was always these things. I was a little bit reactive that even when I was in a good place and I was happy, I just thought, oh, this is who I am. I'm a bit of this, I don't know, this dark. There was just a bit of darkness in me that I just thought that I had to accept. But I can tell you, that darkness ain't here anymore, like at all, at all, at all. And I would be the most skeptical person that I could have ever changed. But I'm telling you, if there are things that you don't like about yourself, even on a very, very subconscious level, you can change them. I promise you, even that thing that you're thinking right now, but that thing I couldn't change, you can change that. And this is one of many incredible life-changing ways that you really, really can enact change within yourself. Mm, So if right about now you're thinking, this sounds like a sponsored episode, (laughs) we promise you it is not. We just really do love meditation so much, but we do have a lot of meditation teachers that we can connect you with if you are interested in learning the style of meditation that we are talking about. So please do get in touch. We'll tag a couple of them in the show notes as well so you can have a look there. Thank you so much for listening all the way to the very end of this episode. We appreciate you so, so much. And we can't wait to chat to you on socials. We are at How to Live the Podcast on both Instagram and Facebook. Have a beautiful, wonderful week and sending you so much love from us. Love you. Bye.